coffee with Corey, and you were talking about something called the 10 days of awe, which maybe, you know, we've never heard of before. Yeah, the awesome days. I love anything that's awesome. So, uh, and by the way, uh, we always get asked the question, and of course, we've tried to write it down and put it out there so you already know, but once you're done, by this afternoon, I'll try to get all of these live on-air clips that we're talking about here. All of those will be on our blog, our, our podcast, and all the notes, word for word, uh, apart from what we just kind of, you know, rattle off together. Uh, all of that will be on our blog. Both of them you can get to by going to our website, victory.radio. Okay, that's always the case. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teachings on there because it goes back through the years. So, the days of awe, what are these? Well, the 10 days of awe are awesome days from Rosh Hashanah to uh, Yom Kippur are like a preview of the year ahead or kind of a snapshot of trends. So, when I say 5781, we know that is pay Aleph. We know the, 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 the mouth was pay and Aleph really is God. It's the voice of God. So, this year, we know what's coming is God speaks. It's something of this next step. So, in during these 10 days of awe, you're kind of what you're looking for is... What is God saying? What is what is coming forth? So we kind of get a sense of where it's going and what changes. So there are two things that uh, I really thought were very prominent. Uh, one of them, Attorney General William Barr identified New York City, Seattle, and Portland as three cities that have permitted violence and destruction of property to persist following President Trump's executive order on limiting federal funds to anarchist jurisdictions in the United States. So that's a pretty, uh, that's never been done before to identify cities and saying you're now anarchist jurisdictions and we're not, we're going to withhold the money that we normally would give to you. That's a big step. And it also means there's beginning to be this separation. And now the authority is pushing back. These guys have been doing their own thing, but now that authority is cramping in. And the second one, very much like that, but I think even more significant, it was the most significant thing, the death of Justice uh, Ginsburg on Rosh Hashanah. Now, anything that happens on Rosh Hashanah is by far going to take precedence. She was the most senior member of the Supreme Court, the highest court in our land. So her death on Rosh Hashanah was very significant. She was the first Jewish woman to serve, but was a secular Jew. And as such, she did not believe in God, heaven, or hell. She had verses and stuff on her wall but she said she did not believe and there was no evidence she ever saw Jesus or salvation so you have several things there she was highly esteemed by the world but she never sought to understand true wisdom and justice as a result she empowered the wicked to grow in power uh, Job 32 says great men are always wise are not always wise as res uh, nor do the aged always understand justice she's very old but she really never came to understand truth or justice. Ezekiel says, Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn away from his way in life and turn turn away turn from his way and live. Well, let me just get that again. But rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. So that never happened for her. And so while some of her decisions were fair and good, very good, overwhelmingly, she was a champion for abortion, feminism, extreme liberal causes, homosexual rights, same-sex marriage, and in all areas of morality, her decisions were consistently ungodly. 
you know, in terms of elect the things of the Constitution, she wanted to eliminate the Electoral College. And now with this widespread plans for mail-in voting and the accusations of fraud that accompanies it, it was an expectation that the election results coming up could end up in the Supreme Court. So the court already leaned conservative 5-4 as a result of her death. The court is now 5-3. So... That's pretty significant, but it's also the fact that God dealt with justice on Rosh Hashanah. When stepping into the new year, the first thing he did was deal with justice. So take a look at her possible replacement. We won't know, of course, but the woman, Amy Coney Barrett, a pro-life Catholic judge at the top of Trump's list to replace her, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, has said, we should always remember that a legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. You couldn't see more darkness to light in the differences of these two women. So the year 5780, or 2020, has been a year where everyone sought justice, but no one felt they received it. So already something shifts. Individual rights and business rights were greatly quenched as a result of government controls responding to COVID. Racial justice issues led to protests, rioting, destruction of property, murder, and general crime. So with the court suddenly facing a makeover, it's hard to suggest that God is not highlighting his righteous justice over the temporary earthly injustice delivered by unrighteous men to gain or hold on to power. Isaiah 28 says this, Because you've said, we made a covenant with death and with shul, we are in, in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge. And under falsehood, we've hidden ourselves. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. So, you know what? You're shifting from one year to the next, and you have this injustice, and suddenly what, what brings justice? It's God. What's the difference in the year? From pay to pay Aleph? It's the Aleph. It's God. In 5781, look for areas where justice has been withheld to experience radical and even quick change. Likewise, look for a severe backlash of justice dealing with those crying for mob rule. Hosea 8.7 says, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. At Rosh Hashanah, the fall harvest had just ended. It's time to grind and store and take advantage of your labor. What was sown will impact the reaping, which is to say when you plant or do wrong, you won't just have no fruit or grow bad fruit. You'll grow poison, destructive fruit. The reaping will be done by the whirlwind. It'll be scattered and lost. Proverbs 22.8 says, He that sows iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. Job 4, 8, even as I've seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. So those crying for racial justice by targeting all police officers or stealing or destroying property and partnering with anarchists to do evil or excuse evil will not reap justice but the whirlwind. It's not the time to be stepping out into a place where God doesn't lead you. Galatians 6, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whoever, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. The one who sows to please his flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, but the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Ecclesiastes 5.16, and this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? There was a 
an interesting year back in 1967. There's riots in Detroit. Now, there's this year have been riots everywhere. But that particular riot devastated the city as it shifted from a white majority city to a black majority city. But there's a reason. Coleman Young, Detroit's first black mayor, wrote these words in 1994. The heaviest casualty was the city. Detroit's losses went a lot deeper than the immediate toll of lives and buildings. The riot put Detroit on the fast track to economic desolation, mugging the city and making off with incalculable value in jobs, earning taxes, corporate taxes, retail dollars, sales taxes, mortgages, interest, property taxes, development dollars, investment dollars, tourism dollars, and plain money. The money was carried out in the pockets of the businesses and the white people who fled as fast as they could. The white exodus from Detroit had been prodigiously steady prior to the riot, totaling about 22,000 in 1966. But afterwards, it was frantic. In 1967, with less than half the year remaining after the summer explosion, the outward population migration reached 67,000. In 1968, the figure hit 80,000, followed by 46,069. In 2020, in the last few years, it's been a wealth exodus, regardless of race, from socialist-leaning states. So what all that wrapped together is we've already seen so many of these same issues, and so many cities are going to be dealing in this coming year with the fruits, with the reaping of what they sow, with the fruit of those labors. And so I think you're going to see that as a pretty significant dynamic in uh, 5781 and which will be the rest of 2020 and, and a good bit of 2021.